Welcome back to the Evans-Based Rheumatology Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and this is episode 54, Room for Debate, number four. This week, we'll be debating the motion in methotrexate non-responders with rheumatoid arthritis, triple therapy, or adding hydroxychloroquine and sulfasalazine should be the first line. I don't think this topic needs too much introduction because it's an issue that I think we've all heard discussed and one that we definitely wanted to have on the debate as well. I'm joined today by Dr. Anisha Dua and Dr. Sarah Fantas, who will be debating the motion. Uh, without further ado, let's get into it. So the side supporting the motion always starts. So Dr. Fantas, would you like to give your opening argument? Sure. Thanks, Mike. In RA patients who fail methotrexate, we should be opting for triple therapy over a biologic for three reasons, non-inferior efficacy, improved safety, and substantially lower cost. First, let's address efficacy. Triple therapy is at least not inferior to methotrexate plus a TNF therapy based on four important randomized trials. The most robust clinical trial that demonstrated this was the RACKET trial from 2013. This was a 48-week double-blind non-inferiority trial um, involving 350 patients. They had active disease despite methotrexate randomized to either the triple therapy regimen or a tanercept plus methotrexate. So this is exactly the population of interest. The primary outcome was improvement in DAS-28 of week 48. There was no significant difference in the primary endpoint or the secondary endpoint of radiographic progression. Corroborating these results were the subgroups in the TEAR trial from 2012 who had not had adequate response to methotrexate and then received either a tanercept or triple therapy. Again, no significant difference in outcome between these two regimens. I won't go into the other two for, for time, but both the TACIT trial for 2015, in 2015 and the two-year data from the SWIFOOT trial in 2012 also had the same conclusion. Let's move on to safety. Using synthetic DMARDs has a lower infection risk than using biologics. There was a large systematic review and network meta-analysis in 2016 published um, in the Rheumatic and Musculoskeletal Disease that included 33 studies that showed that the odds of infection were lower in the triple therapy group versus the TNF and methotrexate group. There was another systematic review in 2016 which showed the same thing. Finally, let's talk about cost. There was a large cost-effectiveness analysis published in the Annals of Internal Medicine in 2017 based on patients from the RACKET trial. Okay. They found that while the biologic group did have a slightly higher quality-adjusted life year, 0.15 over the lifetime, there was a huge additional cost per quality-adjusted life year that was considerably above the threshold for cost-effectiveness. Importantly, this was allowing for a switch to biologics after trying triple therapy. For every patient who tries triple therapy before a biologic, payers save an average of $78,000 over a patient's lifetime. Another way to look at this is the incremental cost-effectiveness ratio, which they determined was about $350,000 per quality-adjusted life year for the biologic first strategy, which is substantially above cost-effectiveness threshold, which is $100,000 per quality. So this leading to the conclusion that biologics would need to be at least a third of current prices to approach cost-effectiveness. All right, that was a really excellent introduction. Thank you, Dr. Fantas, for that. I think you have your work cut out for you, Dr. Dua. Um, would you like to give your side, again, arguing against the motion, which is in methotrexate non-responders with RA, triple therapy should be first line. Of course. Yours. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for that compelling argument. Um, I am obviously going to argue against that. 
We know that, you know, our usual first line treatment for rheumatoid arthritis is methotrexate, but more than half of patients will have an inadequate response. So this is a very important question to ask, and I'm really glad that we are discussing it today. There have been numerous trials in rheumatoid arthritis demonstrating the importance of treating to target. Our target as physicians should be rapid improvement in disease activity, better functioning and quality of life for our patients, less damage over time, and of course, minimizing side effects from our drugs. While I cannot reasonably argue that cost is not a major factor driving healthcare and allocation of resources in our current system, it undoubtedly should not be the major driver in choosing which therapy should be used for our patients as their healthcare providers. What should be the major driver? One might ask. (laughs) There are a few, but the three I'm going to focus on are actually similar to yours, which is great. Um, Efficacy, safety, but my third one's going to be compliance because I already mentioned cost. I hope to convince you that triple therapy is not the next best step after methotrexate failure in our patients with RA. First, let's start with the trial that all triple therapy supporters always like to talk about, the RACKET trial. We know this is the favorite trial for those arguing in favor of triple therapy, but let me point out a few issues. First of all, efficacy. In the RACKET trial, three times as many set patients achieved 70% improvement in their rheumatoid arthritis at 24 weeks compared to those on triple therapy. Even if we lower the bar and look at ACR50, there was a trend towards improvement in the etanercept group. The p-value there was 0.06. The use of etanercept helped these patients achieve a more rapid and more complete disease control. Because of the crossover design of this trial, I think it's really important to look at the 24-week data. At 24 weeks, the DAS28 trended towards significant improvement in the biologic group. Again, the p-score was 0.06, so just missing that cutoff. And those able to achieve a DAS-28 of less than 2.6 at week 24 was significantly better in the biologic therapy group. While these disease activity measures tended to even out at 48 weeks, that is equivalent to telling our patients, wait for almost a year on triple therapy, and then you should feel better. Okay, so I'll move on from showing how the trial that's touted to support triple therapy argument is actually more supportive of my side of the debate. The other issue outside of cost that triple therapy supporters point to is safety. To that point... I'd like to mention a study that looked at a real-world cohort of over 45,000 TNF inhibitors plus methotrexate initiators and over 1,300 triple therapy initiators. The incidence rate of any serious infection per 100 person years was 2.46 in the TNF group versus 2.03 in the triple therapy. There was essentially no major increase in infections with TNFs over triple therapy, and this included bacterial infections as well as herpes zoster. Moving on from those points... We've talked about how biologic therapy is safe and more efficacious for RA patients who failed methotrexate. Let's talk a little bit about compliance. The data showing how triple therapy works in a randomized control trial is great. And don't get me wrong, I really do like randomized control trials, um, but we do also have to consider real life. In real life, our patients do not have appointments every six weeks. They're not keeping a drug diary. They're not undergoing pill counts. And we probably all agree that our patients will not get better if they have active disease and are not taking their medications. So in the real world, patient compliance is a serious issue, and that's more pronounced for those who are prescribed triple therapy. A study looking at the veterans with RA escalating treatment from treatment, sorry, from methotrexate to methotrexate in a TNF inhibitor or triple therapy um, showed that those who were doing TNF inhibitors consistently had significantly higher levels of persistence than triple therapy patients. Over a 12-month study period, about 43% of the methotrexate TNF arm compared with 17.6% of the triple therapy arm were actually compliant with their entire regimen. So as I mentioned, patients with the triple therapy group had significantly more treatment discontinuations, and this was often due to adverse drug events related to sulfasalazine. 
We have so many options at our disposal, and understanding the pathophysiology of RA has driven these advancements. We can target CTLA-4, B-cells, TNF, the JAK-STAT pathway. The current landscape gives us multiple subcutaneous, IV, and even more recently, oral options with the approval of JAK inhibitors for the treatment of RA. These new discoveries have enabled us to significantly de-escalate and in some cases completely discontinue methotrexate in our moderate to severe RA patients. While I love methotrexate, I've had countless patients where it's not a good option. Hair loss, liver toxicity, malaise, women of childbearing age, kidney disease. The list is actually pretty long. To have the option of using therapies that are actually tailored to a patient, their risk factors, their comorbidities, and their preferences is a luxury that has only come into realization in the recent past. We should not shy away from using the drugs that we believe are best suited to rapidly and safely improve the health of our patients. In the majority of cases, that choice leads us away from therapy and towards other agents in our armamentarium for the optimal management of methotrexate failure RA patients. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you. Excellent work from both of you. So next, we're going to move into the question and answer portion of the debate. And for starters, I'd like to direct my first question to you, Dr. Dua. So... You essentially conceded the cost question to the good Dr. Fantis, and I'd be curious to know if there's a point where you wouldn't prescribe a TNF, if it became so exorbitantly expensive, or um, just what do you think the doctor's role is in trying to maintain costs? So I think that that's obviously a really important question, and it's not just a TNF, it's, it's any other medication, right? So um, when we're thinking about triple therapy and and all the other stuff that's available to us, and the cost to the healthcare system. I mean, like I mentioned when I was in my opening statement, you can't say that that these other medications are cheaper. There's no way for me to argue that. Um, do I realize the role that they play in driving up costs to society? Absolutely. Um, do I personally feel like it's my job as a physician to focus on that when I'm making a clinical decision about what works or might work or be actually taken or tolerated by my patient? No, that's that's a personal thing. You know, I think everyone has a different take on it. I think advocacy is important. I think that, you know, trying to lower costs overall is super important. I think as we use these medications over time, the costs will go down as they have for all drugs that we've been using for long periods of time. Um, but I do think that, uh, like I said, as, as, their, as their provider, that's not, that's just lower on my list. And I, that's a luxury, but that's lower on my list of, of what I'm going to use to make a decision. There's not a cutoff value. I, I think the cost of care is a very, very complicated debate that I would not be a mo- an arguer on or, or a moderator for. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that health care costs are a huge um, issue in our country that impacts our patients. And I think, you know, the way that we impact the the cost is these, you know, these individual treatment decisions that we have with each individual patient. So, I mean, it's a very tricky question, but I th- definitely think that cost should be a consideration when we're making these treatment decisions. I agree. And th- there is a difference between cost to the patient and cost to the system. And I think that those are all things that you have to play, you know, think about. Because if my patient tells me they can't afford a medication, then I do make decisions based on that. Um, I'm not making them based on, on to the whole healthcare system, which is my own bias. 
This is a really interesting, just philosophical question that I, I have myself too. Like I, I don't, I, I have, I know where I land on this, and uh, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. So, um, <laughs> moving on from the cost question, uh, Doctor Fantas, you had pointed to a r- racket, which I think has broadly been interpreted to show that there's no significant difference between TNF and um, uh, triple therapy. Uh, Doctor Dua took a different take. So, would you like to kind of respond to what she said about it? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I I get kind of looking at the the 24-week outcomes because that's before any switches in therapy were made, but I think we should definitely do that with caution um, because that wasn't a pre-specified um, primary endpoint. And even if we do look at that data, the conclusion is still um, that there is no stati- statistically significant difference in the primary endpoint at 24 weeks. So, I mean, we can look at the trends, um, but without any statistically significant difference, I think we just need to interpret that with caution. I mean, yeah, I understand that sort of cherry-picking data at a different time point isn't isn't the best way always to analyze a trial. But that being said, there is a lot of important information that can be buried within a trial just based on its design. And I think that... um, Looking at trends is important, and statistical significance is important, but so is clinical significance. The the racket trial really just showed that that if we're look if we're setting a high bar for disease control, which would be in my mind more the ACR fifty seventy um, and a low DAS score of less than two point six, at that mark though those are all very you know we all hold on to those numbers or those values as as important for our patients to try to achieve. And at 24 weeks, they were just achieving it more with with the biologic compared to the TNF group. And I think that that's an important um, thing to, to notice in a trial that's often argued as a, a really strong reason to use triple therapy. I mean, there's a lot in there that's not, not that strong in terms of arguing for triple therapy. So, yeah. <laughs> I will just throw in there that there have been other randomized <laughs> controlled trials that I've mentioned. Um <laughs> that aren't mentioned as much, um, but, you know, that they should also be considered because they all seem to um, corroborate the same conclusion. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really good. Thank you to both of you. So unless there's any other questions, I think we could probably move on to just concluding statements and hear your final rundown for why you think your side is correct. Uh, Dr. Fantas, arguing for the motion, uh, would you like to start? Sure. So in RA patients who fail methotrexate, we should be opting for triple therapy or adding a biologic for the three reasons that I mentioned in my opening statement. First, we have at least four applicable randomized controlled trials that address this issue and show non-inferior efficacy. Second, the triple therapy approach has less infection risk um, based on two large systematic reviews. Finally, while I'm happy for those at a particular drug company whose particular TNF is the number one revenue-producing drug in the U.S., <laughs> clocking in at $20 billion in 2018, it is our responsibility as healthcare providers to include cost in our decision-making. Trying triple therapy first before biologic leads to savings tens of thousands of dollars per patient. It's a very strong closing <laughs> argument by Dr. Fantas. Um, so, Dr. Dr. Dua, would you like to give your closing arguments as well? <laughs> um, like I said, I think that there are a lot of ways to interpret the information out there, and there are select populations where I do believe that triple therapy is a reasonable choice. Despite that, with our severe or moderate, poor prognostic rheumatoid arthritis patients, which are usually those patients who have failed methotrexate, I think... With how much we have available to us, we really do have to consider other options as well. 
Uh, I think that we we had sort of some back and forth disagreement about the infectious risk. I think the more we learn about these drugs, the more we're realizing that as long as we're safely monitoring them, um, patients tend to do very well. Um, I think the rapidity with which patients can get functional and back to work is something that shouldn't be overlooked. Um, You know, if if it were me, I would want to be better in as soon as possible. If it's three months, six months, I don't want to be told that hopefully in a year I'll be able to be as good as, as other people who are getting better in a, in a short amount of time. Again, I'm bringing more to a personal level, but I think um, I don't think the data completely is as clear in terms of favoring uh, triple therapy. I think that the cost thing is, is obviously going to be something where I'm going to have to take the hit. Uh, but when it comes to efficacy, when it comes to compliance and what patients are really going to do and take and how they're going to get better... Uh, I don't think triple therapy is the first line. All right. Excellent work, everyone. That was a lot of fun. So uh, the most important thing now uh, for you listeners is to go on to Twitter and vote in the post-debate poll. I forgot to give the results of the pre-debate poll. Thank you for everyone who voted. Out of 145 votes, 50% of people disagreed with the motion, 41% of people supported the motion, and 9% were undecided. So we'll see where everyone lands at the end. Um, You can find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Room. Dr. Dua is at Anisha underscore Dua, and Dr. Sarah Fantas is at Sarah Fantas. So thank you for listening, and have a great week. Thanks both of you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you.